Welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dino Varelli, founder and CEO of Project Purple. And today we're on the phone with a good friend of mine and one of our alumni and someone who's running the New York City Marathon this year and pancreatic cancer survivor, Rob Stewarty. Rob, how you doing? I'm doing great, Dino. Thanks for having me. Rob, thanks for joining us on the Project Purple Podcast on the phone. You're calling in from... I'm sure it's sunny and warm, maybe a little bit of humid down in Alabama, correct? Correct. Mobile, Alabama. Mobile. About 92 degrees and 100% humidity. When does the humidity break in Mobile? <laughs> does it I don't ever know that break? It does, but <laughs> it gets a little cooler in the wintertime, but we're talking still probably in the upper 50s or 60s, so not, not, uh, not too cool. Well, that's got to do wonders for hair because I know in humidity, like people who have straight hair, people who have curly hair, like they can't get it straight. And, you know, people with straight hair, that tends to curl a little bit because of the humidity. So that's a good thing for the the folks with curly hair and, and those who want curly hair, uh, I'm sure. So that's that's awesome. Rob, we got to ask the toughest question here first for all listeners at home. And, and there is a divide in Alabama in terms of college football. So we want to make sure we get this out because I know I'm sure we'll probably get some comments if we don't mention this. But for our listeners at home, what college football team do you follow there in Alabama? War Eagle, baby. Auburn Tigers. My wife and I graduated from Auburn, and our oldest daughter is enrolling at Auburn this year as a freshman. How does that make you feel? Like you're, and I know we've had this conversation in Chicago that your daughter now is following the footsteps of both mom and dad. That's got to be pretty special. It's awesome. We're excited. And uh, we actually didn't give her the option of going to <laughs> And I just... But a bunch of her friends are. No, she, uh, we actually let her choose every, any school but Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> Ole Miss, any of the other SEC schools were fine. It just couldn't be Alabama. But... Uh, now, we're really excited. Actually, we move her up to Auburn uh, August tenth, so our oldest child will be going to college. So it's uh, exciting, and uh, you know, a big, big change in our lives having your little baby all of a sudden in college. And you've got two other babies though, too. You got three daughters though, correct? Correct. I have three daughters. Kate's the oldest; she's eighteen, and Margaret Ann is sixteen. She's a junior in high school, and Louise. Uh, is 14, and she will be a freshman in high school this year. So the, the other two, they, they've got to follow. They're, they're probably going to follow to Auburn, I would imagine. We're, we're trying to sway them <laughs> that way. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love we're it. We're hoping. We're hoping that we don't end up with one at Alabama, but you know. <laughs> yeah, well. You never know. Right? You never know. You never know. And I just saw on the news, not to bring Alabama up, but I think uh, Mr. Saban there just got a contract extension this morning, was announced, I think, through 2025. So uh, the rivalry will still continue as strong as it's ever been, I guess. I guess so. I did see that as well. So I think, like, what, another eight years or something like that added on. So Yeah. 
long time. Uh, they're a hard team to beat, unfortunately, for Auburn. Yeah, but you guys have had a great run. Uh, I've got, uh, I think I mentioned to you, I had a really good friend in high school who played at Auburn football years ago, back in the early 90s. And then, um, I mean, their basketball team has done very well. Uh, Auburn's has, I think, over the last year. I know there was a kid here locally from Connecticut that went down there and played. And I think he's still playing. I know. I think they lost a kid or two early uh, to the NBA, which is kind of the norm. But uh, I know you guys got uh, Bruce Pearl there as the coach there at Auburn. So he's doing a hell of a job for you guys in basketball. I'm more of a basketball fan, but uh, I do pick up on, you know, I follow college football. So, uh you know, I, 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 that conference as a whole is just ridiculously difficult uh, to play in. So I think, you know, if it, you know, I know it's not national championships, but they're competing week in, week out and doing a hell of a job. It's still got to be exciting. But I know the, the ultimate end all be all now in college football is these championships, which is, uh, you know, there's only one team that can win. So it, it, it makes it really difficult. Exactly. And we, I go to the, uh, a few games, basketball games a year, uh, each year as well. And, I remember we talked about the guy from Connecticut or something that was playing at Auburn, and I think he's back. So yeah, I Auburn was surprised. Should be really good this year again in basketball, and Pearl's back. I think we only ended up losing one player early, so we had most of the team back, and that was the first time that Auburn has been um, in into the tournament. And golly, I want to say it's been like twenty years or something like that. So. At least basketball is making a little bit of a turn in the SEC, um, or, or, or some of the schools in the SEC besides Kentucky always being there. So uh, it's kind of exciting to have Alabama was good, Auburn, Ole Miss I think was pretty decent this year as well. So um, it makes it a little more interesting besides it just being a football schools or the SEC being football besides Kentucky. I would use a term and say the tide is turning, but we don't want to use that that, that terminology. So, oh no, that's a bad word. That's that, a bad word. In any context, that's a bad word. So, well, Rob, uh, we appreciate you coming on the Project Purple podcast, and it's great. And we're going to see you in a couple, well, less than a hundred days in New York City to take on the New York City Marathon. So, uh, really excited for that, and uh, you know, can't wait to see you and the family there in New York again. Um, but for our listeners at home, um, we know your story here, Project Purple. You've ran for us back in 2017, if my memory serves me right, uh, with our Chicago, Chicago Marathon team, which was your first marathon. And then I remember you and I talking after the race and you said, and I, I want to do another one. And I think you did something local last year. And then uh, you wanted an opportunity to run New York. I know you and I talked a little bit about races and stuff. And and for our listeners at home, though, why don't you give us, uh, give them, excuse me, uh, your background and, you know, what brought you to Project Purple, really? Sure, sure. Not a problem. So really, you know, thinking back, it was probably in um, 13, maybe uh, 2013 or 14, I had gotten sick, and they'd run a lot of tests, and they couldn't figure out exactly what was causing me. But I had pancreatitis off and on, and um, I was in and out of the hospital and had multiple treatments. But in the end, they ended up finding what they believed was an IPMN, which is a growth in your pancreas, um, and the last time I got sick, they had done an ERCP, 
and they saw that it was blocking a duct and wanted to do the Whipple surgery, which we were, you know, had no idea. <laughs> we didn't know much about pancreatic cancer or anything about even what the pancreas actually did, or I didn't, and my wife didn't as well. And they wanted to do the Whipple. We did some research and and pretty much determined we had to have the Whipple done. We chose Johns Hopkins in Baltimore to have it done. We're being, we being in Mobile, long way to travel, big surgery. Anyway, go to Johns Hopkins in November 17, 2015. They did the Whipple surgery to uh, remove an IPMN, which was causing pancreatitis. Well, when they're doing the Whipple, they end up finding that I had a malignant tumor, which was actually pancreatic cancer. They ended up being able to remove the uh, tumor and um, get safe margins. I did not have to have chemo or radiation, um, but they got all of the cancer. And since then, I've been healthy. I go every six months and get a new CT scan uh, to check. Um, I'm doing pretty good. they checking some other stuff out, but I'm doing well. And as of now, I'm cancer-free and uh, in November 4th, when we're going to run the uh, New York Marathon, we'll almost be three years post-pancreatic uh, cancer. That's amazing. So before you went in, like, to have, like, you know, I know sometimes it's kind of, I call it the, the you know, the merry-go-round in terms of uh, diagnostic checks. Because, you know, unfortunately, as we all know, with this disease, we don't have an early detection, right? There's no blood test. There's there's really not a definitive diagnostic test, unlike some other cancers, that will say, hey, you have the disease or you have this cancer. So what were some of the things that were going, you know, what was happening right around, you know, 2013 to kind of realize like, hey... I need to go to the doctor or this is not right. And and this might be helpful, Rob, for some of our listeners at home because I don't know, and I'm sure this has happened to you. I know you've been very involved in your community down there in Mobile talking about your story with the local medical community. And I know they've been, they've highlighted you in the past. And, you know, we, we probably run into it where people say, you know, I had like, you know, this flutter in my stomach or I had this lower back pain. I think I, I threw my back out or I was having, you know, acid reflux, you know, which is pretty common for probably 90% of the population. And then to realize like, hey, you have pancreatic cancer, you know, after they finally do a bunch of tests. So what were some of the things that were going on in your life prior to like, you know, realizing that this was the case? Well, so I, I was experiencing an upset stomach and of course, all of us usually just Tums and Pepto, et cetera. And yeah. I was kind of self-treating and, and it would, it would come and it would go. And then the first time that we, and when I when I realized I had pancreatitis, which was not even aware of, of what pancreatitis was, just because I'd never never knew, I had uh, a pretty significant pain, dull pain in the front of my abdomen, up a little elevated, and then it was radiating into my back. And so I was trying to get in to see my primary care physician and a neighbor of mine who's a general surgeon. He, we're buddies. We fish together and all that stuff together. I went, just stopped by and I said, 
And then my stomach's really bothered me. I just got back from a trip. I'd been traveling for work. And he, he looked at me and he goes, you need to go over to the hospital and just get some blood work done. I don't think that it's your stomach as much as I, I, it could be something else. I'm, I'm not even going to tell you what I think it is, but you need to go, go over there. And so I went over and they ended up checking my amylase and lipase, which were severely elevated, which I had no idea what amylase and lipase were mm-hmm. or do now. But they ended up checking that and it was high and ended up getting admitted to the hospital and I had pancreatitis. And at that time, they thought the pancreatitis was caused from alcohol. And so... Do you drink? I do not drink anymore at all. I did drink then. Um, And so they they, uh, told me I couldn't drink anymore. I was in the hospital for over a week at this juncture and... um, they had, you know, no eating, no drinking, and they got it to relax. And and then when they discharged me, no alcohol, you know, restrict your diet. Mm-hmm. And I was good for a little while. And then I was not drinking, and I got sick again. And then that's when they brought me back in, and, and I same stomach pains in the front, radiating to the back. And at that point, I knew, oh, my goodness, I'm having pancreatitis again. Well, we hadn't talked about you know, that it could be anything beyond just the pancreatitis because some people do have pancreatitis that's not associated with pancreatic cancer. And so they started to try and figure out what was causing the pancreatitis to occur. And they ended up running additional tests, which is, I mentioned the ERCP. Yeah. And that was eventually when they, when I got sick again, I was in the hospital for almost a month off and on. Um, pretty much consistently I ended up going to Oshner in New Orleans. It's a long story, but I, it was a bad story because I ended up getting an infection. They couldn't control the pancreatitis. They ended up putting a stent in, were able to discharge me. I got better for almost a year. Still no mention of an IPM in or a growth. I got better for about a year and got sick again. They did additional tests. Um, and were able to actually, I think the issue, the main issue in the past was when they would do the ERCP because of the swelling and the size of my pancreas related to the pancreatitis, they couldn't see a very good image of what was going on. And they were able to see a blockage, which then made them determine that I needed to have the Whipple done at Johns Hopkins, which then I'm blessed because if I wouldn't have gotten pancreatitis, I wouldn't have gotten sick. We would have just kept treating the pancreatitis and not the tumor that was actually causing it. So by them choosing to do the Whipple and us agreeing to do the Whipple for what we assumed was a non-malignant growth, an IPMN, um, they went in and actually found a malignant tumor, which was very uh, new, that it, but it was causing blockage. And, you know, from what the doctor, Johns Hopkins, has said is six months later, it would have been a whole, could have been a whole different outcome based on the tumor growth and my conditions, et cetera. If we weren't have been blessed to have gone to Johns Hopkins and had the surgery done at that time. That's crazy. So the, for a year, you know, you're like walking around thinking you're okay and not realizing the severity. Well, I mean, and this is not in a bad way, Rob. This is not your fault. Um, 
but yeah, that, that, that's super fascinating. I mean, like, so for our listeners at home, I mean, this is where we always advocate, you know, unfortunately, sometimes you have to be the general practitioner, right? Like you have to be your, your biggest advocate and asking. And I think this is one of the things that's so powerful from hearing from survivors and fighters is, you know, their story and how they were diagnosed, because I guarantee Rob, there's someone maybe listening at home that maybe has been told the same thing. And, you know, this could be a, a, a life changer for them. I agree. And, you know, we, <laughs> we were so up upset at the time because we couldn't figure out what was really making me continuously get sick besides the diagnosis of pancreatitis. And then we took away what they said, you know, we changed my diet. I didn't drink alcohol again. Yeah. Since then. And, and then I was still getting sick. And so we kept questioning, telling our, our doctor, my um, gastroenterologist, what, we got to figure out something because we can't go on staying sick like this. And luckily, you know, by doing the, being able to get a good enough image, they were able to see the growth, which caused us to have the surgery, which, you know, as I said, when you and I met, I'm blessed that I'm very lucky that it was fortunate that, you know, early detection because I got sick led to this because without that, this could have just gone on for another six, eight months. And, um, you know, I could have you know, had a total pancreatectomy. I could have had, there's no telling what all could have happened. Um, and so early detection was huge uh, and, and not necessarily the warning signs that say that you have pancreatic cancer, but that something wasn't right. It was, uh, you know, they decided to do more tests, which then led us to having the Whipple surgery done, which was able to remove a malignant tumor before it had grown. And, you know, either on, a, on an artery or something where I was inoperable or had to have had chemo, radiation, et cetera, that so many people have had to go through that have been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. That's so fascinating. I mean, it's every story is different and everyone that I've seen in eight years responds differently to different treatments. There's never not one identical story and you have acknowledged that once again, you know, just hearing, you know, your experience and how you went through with that is just really fascinating. And thank you for sharing, Rob, you know, that whole detail of how you were diagnosed so now you have the surgery, fast forward, you get through 15, you get to 16, and then you decided you've never run in your life, right? Like you've never ran a marathon prior to being involved in Project Purple. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're correct. So and to lead off with that is we're laying in Johns Hopkins recovery. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, I'm in major pain, miserable, you know. Just, you just had the whipple. Surgery. Yeah, yeah. just had the whipple, and I told my wife, I said, I'm going to run a marathon. If we beat this thing, I'm going to run a marathon. Well, she thinks I'm on drugs, which I am, from the pain medicine, <laughs> but she's like, you're crazy, whatever, because I'd run a few 10Ks, you know, local, mobile, and that was probably 15 years before I had the whipple surgery. So, you know, go through the recovery, and, I mean, literally – January of, and I remember, unfortunately, it was the national championship game. <laughs> of course, Alabama was playing in it again. <laughs> but that was the first 
time I'd travel, and I travel about 42 weeks a year for work, and I was had to travel up to Baltimore, so I went ahead and did my um, follow-up in Baltimore um, for the for the post-Whipple with them. And I, while I was up there, I was thinking, you know, I told my wife I'm going to do this. I really need to start looking into, you know, maybe trying to do a marathon. And so trying to figure out, well, I'd never heard of Project Purple. And I was like, well, you know, I want to run. If I'm going to run a marathon, I need to raise some money for a good cause. And, and, you know, of course, after having pancreatic cancer, I'm like, well, I need to run for a cancer research or something. So I start looking, and it's in January, February. I'm still not 100% to start running, but I figure I need to start planning this out. And so I go and Google search, you know, cancer research or fundraisers and several pop up and then project purple pops up and I'm like, well, whoa, what's this? And then that's when I find out that, um, this is the fundraising mechanism project purple is for pancreatic cancer research. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, what a, what a great opportunity this would be. So then I reach out to you at, at the office and kind of write a little, email telling you what I've been through and that I want to run. And I see that there's Chicago is in October of 17. And I'm like, wow, this could be a great opportunity. And it may have been, it wasn't, it wasn't then when I, I don't remember the exact date. I may have reached out to y'all and actually 17. I think I kept saying I was going to do 16. And I had never pulled the trigger. And then I think in 17 is when I reached out to you. Yeah. I hadn't started running or anything yet. And so we went through, I think it was a 25-week, I got a trainer in Mobile after I reached out to you. Um, I think it was a 25-week. And I went literally from couch to marathon in 25 weeks. Didn't run any races in before or in between. It probably been 15 years since I'd run a 10K. But I really wanted to do something to raise awareness. And it was just a great opportunity. And, you know, we got to know each other very well in the Project Purple team. And um, it was a very emotional time for me um, doing all the training because I can tell you, I thought that the, you know, the pancreatic cancer and the surgery was tough. But going from couch to uh, running a marathon and those miles and just, all the hard work that you put into it is all worth it. It was well worth it. And we raised a lot of awareness in Mobile doing this and, and really nationally because I work with a lot of customers. And it's amazing all the people that you meet and you talk to that have been affected by pancreatic cancer. And I have a lot of friends that I know and their families that have had, been affected. But just beyond just my personal relationships to business relationships and people that you meet that have been affected. And so... It was a long process, and it was the most rewarding thing I think I've ever done. And, you know, we spent time with you, and it was very emotional to me. And then I was like, man, we got to do this again. we got to do this again. So, thank goodness, healthy enough to run uh, New York this year in November. Well, we loved having you and your whole family there. I mean, it was pretty special. You know, we, we do have uh, survivors run with us from time to time, and that's really the special 
sauce, as I like to say, because it is the reason why we do what we do. And uh, I will tell you, when your family pulled out those beads at the the team dinner, these purple beads to hand out to all the the families and runners that were there, that was a pretty special moment. And uh, you were our top fundraiser on that team, which was uh, which was kind of an extra, you know, icing on top of the cake for us, um, you know, quite honestly, and for me. And so uh, I appreciate you know, your family's involvement and what we've built here and continue to be involved. And, uh, it's just great stuff. I mean, that, that day was pretty special and it was pretty special for, uh, for me to see your wife and three daughters on the bridge there cheering for you. And there's, uh, there's so many great pictures, but I think we've used a couple of your pictures at length. And I think we will continue to use them because there's the, uh, the joy in your face coming across that bridge and the smile is just uh, is just so electric, Rob. And uh, that's right as you saw your family on the bridge, and you know it was that Kodak moment, and that that's what we that's what we got, and it was just awesome. So can't wait to have more of those in New York. I know, and they're all coming back. I don't know if the oldest will if we can you know snag her out of Auburn, but uh, we've already booked our flights and the hotels. So two of the Three are definitely coming, and the third may make it as well. And it was it was it was special of them too to have you know me healthy enough to you know come back and do a marathon. And and, and actually, New York will be my third. I ran one in New Orleans, and um, and so you know it's really special time. And you know all the people we met, uh, whether they're with Project Purple or the other families that are running or survivors that we've connected with, you know, since you and I started speaking in, in seven, 2017, have been just wonderful people. And several of them I talk to uh, at least once a month uh, or maybe a little further than that. But, um, you know, just great people that are really, you know, it's very personal to them, um, raising money and doing everything they can for research and awareness and, uh, I just am so uh, glad to be affiliated with, with Project Purple. It's, it really means a lot to me. Well, uh, what you've done is uh, is amazing for us. So we, you know, we appreciate everything that you and your family have done. So how has, and this is kind of a, a tough question, um, next question for you is, how has pancreatic cancer changed your life? Ooh, well, I mean, I, it really... So before I had pancreatic, <laughs> there's multiple. It's it's improved my health. I mean, and you know, just because I took a lot in it, and I took a lot for granted, and it made me um, reevaluate my what I like to say my life purpose is. And my life purpose is totally different than what it was before. I mean, it's it's grounded me better in faith and awareness, and <laughs> I mean, it made me. Um, take a look at my lifestyle and how I was living it. And I've improved on that. Obviously, we can always improve more. But um, it's really made me reevaluate my life purpose and what is your life purpose. And everybody could have a different life purpose. I mean, mine is to be, number one, the best father I can be for my three daughters and, and lead by example. And then, you know, I think it also gave me a, um, initiative to really be out there and an example for uh, what you can do after you've had uh, a life-changing event and 
ability to to lead by example and and you know I always say to you know, to look forward to the next day and to move forward and and just um, live life to the fullest and as best as you can. That's pretty powerful stuff, and I I, I don't mean to. Uh... You know, when I say this is, uh, you know, I know sometimes, you know, going through something as traumatic as this, not to say that you weren't kind of maybe living that lifestyle before, Rob, but, you know, when you go through this traumatic experience, this thing we call pancreatic cancer, it's uh, it's powerful. Very powerful, and it, you know, really makes you uh, appreciate being here and the people you're with and, and, and just trying to to be a, a good example for others. And I think if we can get more people involved with awareness, um, early detection and promoting uh, pancreatic cancer research, there's just, it's unlimited what we can do. And so um, now this has been a goal of mine since, and I wish it had been before that, you know, but until it really hits close to home, you know, it really motivates you to do more, and and I'm hoping by what you do and Project Purple does, and all the wonderful people that that run for for these charity events and the marathons or any of the other stuff that we can continue to bring awareness and uh, early detection and additional research, and and you know, not just for pancreatic cancer. I mean, but pancreatic cancer is leading the way now. With uh, I mean, I think it's I think, believe, is it the number two uh, cancer now? Is it'll be number to be two. Yeah, it'll be saying? number two in about. Well, we're we're down to like uh, fifteen months, you know, so or sixteen months. So uh, by twenty twenty, it will be the number two killer of all cancer statistically. That's a done deal. That's not going to change, unless there's some sort of. And I I don't mean to be insensitive here, but unless there's some sort of magic pill that comes out that's going to save. You know, 4,000 people um, in the next uh, 16 months, it will become the number two killer of all cancers in the United States. So, I mean, you know, what better reason than to everybody, let's get involved and do as much as we can. Uh, and don't make it just the people that have been affected by it. Let's get everybody on board and raise awareness and research and see if we can make a difference. And I know we have. I know you have. But... um we're trying. We need more people, right? Uh, absolutely. So. Absolutely, Rob. If uh, I, I always, one of my best closes is, you know, why wait? Why wait till it impacts your family? Because the odds are right now, there's nothing, you know, statistically, you know, there, there's not a lot that we can do when it's too late. So don't wait for it to come knocking on your door. Do something while you have the ability to do something about it, you know, and make a difference and create change. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean money. Money does help, and money is what it takes to to make some big change. But uh, you know, raising awareness, getting involved with groups locally or nationally, um, helping someone who is running like yourself to help you know raise awareness with what they're doing. You know, it all it all adds up. And if we could have this perfect firestorm of activity, it'll lead to productivity in the disease. I truly believe that. And we just need more. We just need to start the conversation, you know, and that's where folks like yourself, the survivors really are powerful and allowing us to do that because 
that's why we're here to do. We're, we're here to get more survivors, and that's what we want to ultimately be at, you know, is having everyone um, survive this disease, just like similar cancers, not similar cancers, but other cancers that have progressed in their life expectancy. You know, lung cancer just had, I know in lung cancer for years, you know, was bad, and they just had a breakthrough, you know, from the research side where there was a drug now that they've been using over the last two years, and now they fast-tracked, and now they're seeing tremendous results in, in prolonging life with that disease. So we need we need one of those, and it's going to take uh, a lot of people making a lot of noise. Yes, I agree. And we're doing it, but we got to do more. And- Absolutely. So how is, how is life, what is, I should say, what is life like now, Rob? Like if we looked at, you know, let's go back to 2010, and, you know, you're traveling around the world or around the United States, might be the world for your job. Uh, I, I think it is. You do go international. I think. Uh, I know we not, talk, not much. Not but every much. now and then. Yeah, so, every now uh, and then. The domestic, uh, probably forty-two weeks a year. Uh, Forty of those are on an airplane. <laughs> a lot of man. I thought I traveled a lot. You got me beat, man. I I, I think I'm up to like twenty-six weeks a year. Um, but what is life like now? I mean, life is great. Uh, in you know, I am, like I was saying, I'm healthier than I ever was, obviously, training for marathons, that seems yeah, that helps. to help that a little yeah. bit. Yeah, that helps a bit. <laughs> but um, it, it just, everything is, is really good. I mean, I am very healthy. I, and what's amazing, and talked to some other pancreatic cancer survivors that have met with, I, I do not take any medications. Um, I've not had, uh, I had, you know, a little little things at, right after the surgery, but um, I don't have any major uh, issues with my pancreas or my stomach. I'm able to pretty much eat anything I want, and uh, I'm living a life that is, was very similar to prior to having pancreatic cancer. So, I mean, the positive thing is is that you can go back and lead a normal life, or most a lot of people can and be as active or more active than you were prior to um, having pancreatic cancer. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing very well. So um, I'm, I'm happy to say that. Has it changed your family dynamic at all, Rob? Um, you know, we were always very close. The family was and, and is still um always involved with everything that the children were doing and um but it it just it made me reevaluate just you know um what's more important to me i mean i've got to work and you've got to provide a living you've got to provide for your family but it just made me reevaluate my focus and and that you know i even though i travel 42 weeks a year i don't miss a school program or a sporting event that my kids have to be in or something because it's it, I, that's one of the things that's the most important to me. And um, you just you, you make it where your schedule where you can put family first. That's uh, powerful stuff because I think sometimes in business we all get caught up with success, right? And everyone's level of success is different. So this varies, you know, from person to person. But 
I think sometimes when you have a family and you have, you know, you're providing for that family, you can get really caught up in the success of business and being on the road and traveling and miss a lot of those important things. So that's very powerful. And uh, I commend you for, you know, sticking to that and being able to do that. It's not easy. I'm sure there's probably a lot of late flights or early morning flights, I'm sure, versus going in the night before. So it's not an easy task. Um, but something I, I would tell you, Rob, is I, and you haven't met my kids yet, but you'll meet them in New York and they're young and it's hard. It's hard. Uh, and when you travel a lot, it's a hard thing to, to manage. And it's something that I think you have to be really conscious of. I agree. And, you know, it's uh, it is hard, but you have to make the time. And, you know, we have now that mine are getting older, you have so much less time. Yeah. yeah. It did. <laughs> so you got to make it count, right? Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. How would you define pancreatic cancer? Ooh, I guess there's multiple ways that you could define it. Um, How would you define it though? So for my your, definition yeah, your pancreatic definition. cancer is, is uh, um, I had pancreatic cancer. I beat, it's beatable. And you can live a very healthy life after, when you beat pancreatic cancer. And it was just a step in my life that that's behind me as far as uh, it. Oh, that's a hard question. <laughs> it, it's, um, it was very scary. It scared me to death. We beat it. I beat it. And still in the back of my mind but it's beatable and I'm glad to have that behind me right now do you ever have guilt Rob uh, guilt is in guilt what do we what do you, I guess, like to, guilt that. guilt in the sense that like you beat it you know like do you ever you ever think about that I mean that's something that I ask survivors all the time I know it's a hard kind of you know, subject, and it's a, this is a tough question and a, and a, and a thought thought provoking question. But you know, I mean, statistically, let let no one's naive to the fact, right? And you weren't naive to the fact um, that this disease is the worst. You know, so so does that affect you a lot? You know, I mean, because you've done a lot of speaking down in Mobile, you know, and um, you know, is it is it hard, or you know, is it guilt? Do you feel guilt sometimes yeah, knowing that? I- yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel guilty in the fact that I've, I've spoken with colleagues just locally. I mean, I had a good friend of mine that's in the insurance industry that passed away. He was inoperable. Um, spoken with his wife. And um, I have another friend that I think I connected you with. Yep. That is about to have the Whipple and has been struggling. I mean, I feel guilty in the fact that, I mean, I feel like mine was a walk in the park. Yeah compared to what these other people are going through that I've run into. And I do feel guilty in the fact that, um, that it feels like I got off easy. Right. I mean, yeah, because there's all these others that I'm uh, friends with that have, have really struggled, uh, post cancer or pre and, you know, close friends of my family that, you know, that have passed away from pancreatic cancer. And so I do feel guilty in the fact that um, I feel like I got off easy and I don't know why I got off easy. 
by the grace of God or, or, or whatever, but it makes me feel that, you know, because I was able to, and, and is doing as well as I am now, that it really makes me feel like I need to do more and more for everyone else that either may have pancreatic cancer, have pancreatic cancer, or that pass from pancreatic cancer. So it does make you feel guilty that you're one of the lucky ones because there's not a whole lot of us around. Uh, when you start talking to people that, you know, unfortunately that are, that are out there that are survivors, um, that are well enough to say they can go run a marathon or can eat anything they pretty much want or, you know, the biggest complications I have right now is I have to go every six months and get a CT scan and I may not be able to eat a few fried foods and a couple other things where I run into other people that are taking medications every day for enzymes or whatever. So I, I do feel guilty that I've been blessed enough to be this fortunate. Well, I think you have uh, you haven't sat in the office and just you know, worked and, and enjoyed your life. I think you've, you've sacrificed a lot in telling your story to the public, which I know is not easy. And sometimes people don't necessarily want everyone knowing their business. And this is kind of a, a very personal thing that happens to you. And you've, uh, you've taken something that's been super negative and not, and I didn't mean to pose the question to feel guilty in the sense, like, I don't think you said something like you had it easy. I don't think a Whipple's easy. You know, that's a pretty, uh, that's a traumatic surgery and everything that, I mean, you're on the table, you're on the, uh, in the oper uh, operating room for about eight hours. So it's not a, it's just not like a, a simple procedure. And, uh, that's a very complex and uh, it's a very complicated procedure. So by all means, you didn't have it easy. Um, but I, I will commend you, Rob, for having the courage to share your life with the public and share your story, which has purpose now and, and inspiration. And not that you didn't have purpose before all this, but, um, you know, you're, you're out there telling your story, which is not easy. It's not easy to relive something that was so probably painful for your family, for your wife. I can't even imagine what your wife was thinking at the time and what you were thinking. But, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's not easy. It's not an easy ride. So I wouldn't say that, uh, you've had it easy. Uh, not easy, but, uh, you know, when you compare yourself to others, um, I agree. Not yes. had it is been as fortunate and I wouldn't say easy as fortunate as I yeah. have been um you know it's just tough and and I, you always want to try and do more and it's hard it's a hard balance but you want to and um unfortunately it takes in my case it took something as traumatic as pancreatic cancer to um to get me to really get more involved uh, than I was. And so by it being close to home personally with me or with others that have family members, it takes something like that where you just wish you could connect with those people without it being something as, that it was someone as close to them that had, had been affected by pancreatic cancer. Well, like I said, you're not sitting, you're out there talking and creating and raising awareness. So uh, thank you for doing that, you know, because you don't have to do any of this, you know, you can. And, and I always say with the running, you know, you there's 
you know, New York Marathon, there's 52,000 runners. You're going to be part of the biggest marathon in the world, not to scare you. I know Chicago is pretty big. Chicago's number three in the world, so this is a little bit bigger. But, you know, there's 10,000-plus people that will run for a charity. So that means there's like 40,000 people that just run for themselves. And right. not saying anything against those folks, but, uh, you know, I think it's it's kind of special. So uh, you're doing a lot and more than probably the average human being and, and way beyond that. So thank you for, for doing that. Sure. Um, I enjoy doing it. Uh, Rob. That makes it even more fun because I enjoy doing it. So. Well, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy raising money, you know, not, yeah. not just the marathon, but raising money for What's well, the whole journey, as I say, right? It's that journey along this, the journey that we're all on, and it's pretty cool to to hit those marks, whether it's training and fundraising, and it's the whole process of it. What gets you up in the morning now? Is it any different than it was five years ago? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, Other than the alarm was... clock to get you up to go probably do those runs in the morning. but Four fifteen a.m. Uh, is when I go. Trust me, <laughs> I'd rather be in bed at four fifteen in the morning. Um, but uh, you know, uh, number one, and really, when I mean training for uh, Chicago, the first one is I felt, and I still feel an obligation that I, you know, I mean, how many times in the past did I hit snooze because I wasn't doing a fundraiser for Project Purple, or it was just me that had to get up and, you know, well, I'll just do it tomorrow, right? And and when when you have, when you're representing Project Purple and you're representing pancreatic cancer victims or survivors, I mean, there's no hit and snooze. You're getting out of bed and you're going to go do the run as much as you may not want to. I feel like there's an obligation to everybody that's been affected with pancreatic cancer or their families or any of my supporters that have um, made donations to permit to run, there is no snooze. You are going to get up and you're going to tough through it and you're going to get the miles in that you need to do. And that was, that was the motivation. And it was tough the first one to get, you know, four or five days a week to get up at four fifteen in the morning and go. Um, but it's just feel obligated and, and it's for such a good cause and that you don't want to let anybody down that, um, you know, really gets you going. And, and some of those tough miles, and you've run these marathons before, some of those tough miles, you know, 15, 18, you think back of why you're doing this. And, and not only are you doing it for yourself, but you're doing it for a lot of other people that you're representing um, them and their families and their loved ones that um, it really gets you, uh, gets you going. I couldn't agree with you more, Rob, and I wish sometimes like I didn't have that because then it'd be a lot easier to stop, right? Or a lot easier to sleep in, like that motivation of letting people down and you hit it right on the nose, uh, right on the top of the head of that is that, uh, you know, that that's powerful stuff, man. And that's why I always say like regardless of what charity you run for um, or whatever you do, and it doesn't have to be running, but when you have purpose – and it's charity related. It is so powerful. You know, whatever you are super passionate about, if it's animals, if it's, you know, breast cancer, we hope it's pancreatic cancer, homelessness, 
whatever that mission is, whatever you are so empowered to do, um, when you have purpose, it's such an, an amazing feeling. And uh, also guilt because like you have to go out and do that because or else it's <laughs> you have that awful feeling the next day if you didn't get that run in because you know that you're letting people down. I know, I know. It's, it's amazing. Nobody would have thought I'd ever run a marathon, and I never thought I'd run a marathon until I ran for Project Purple. So, uh, well, it's awesome. We're, we we love that you ran your first one with us. So it, it means a lot to us, and a lot to me. So tough question round now. I got two questions left, and these are probably the hardest. Um, I'll start with the first one. What are three things that you value the most? Well, number one, I always say that God should be first. Family should be second. And honesty are my three values. Awesome. Second hard question. And this might, you might have to think about this one a little bit. And this could be related to anything and everything in your life. But through your lessons and through your travels, professionally, personally, what has cost you the least but been the most valuable? What has cost me the least but been the most valuable? This one makes you think a little bit. Yeah, that's a... That's a hard one. I that's, we saved the hardest you know? one. We saved the hardest one for the end, man. And there's no right or wrong to this. It's just really fascinating to just hear what people have to say about it. And some people like right on the spot. We've we've asked that question, and they're like, "Boom, this is what it is." And the other people, they really have to think about it. And it and it varies from everyone. Like there's no right or wrong. Well, I can't say. It's hard to say, but I the the most valuable thing that probably. I can't say cost me the least, but I mean, I, when I look back at, and you know, I don't want to go into 
you have in pancreatitis and then pancreatic cancer. I value the fact that I'm a survivor more than anything because it changed my perspective in everything in life. And not just with my family, but in my job and the way that I live each day. That even though it may have cost me a lot of pain and suffering because of having pancreatic cancer, it's the thing that I value the most because it's rewarded me in so many ways by changing everything about the way that I went through every day. I can't say that it didn't cost me the least, but it changed me the most. And it's what I value that I'm such a better person and and look at things differently than I did prior to having pancreatic cancer. It's powerful stuff, Rob. Well, thank you. I, I can't thank you enough. I mean, you've been part of this family since uh, early 17, and having you and your family in Chicago was amazing for me. And as I, I tell all the survivors and fighters, you guys are the reason why I get up every day and come to work and grind it out and travel all around the country. Uh, my family is, is so important to me, but uh, this mission that we're all on together and the inspiration that the survivors and the fighters provide, uh, I have a hard time putting into words and, and probably hard to comprehend. So I appreciate everything that you guys have done for us here at Project Purple, Part, Project Purple as a family, um, your whole entire family, because I know they've been invested and involved and uh I can't wait for New York. I mean, if New York couldn't come soon enough, I know we're like 98 days to New York or maybe 97 days, but those 97 days, I cannot wait for. We've got a lot in between, um, but uh, New York is really something special, and I can't wait for you to have that New York moment. Sh- well, I'm looking so forward to it, and my family is as well. We're coming up on Thursday the 1st, and um, we're you know all in. For all the uh, Project Purple events that are going on, and I mean, I'm and we're really excited. And I'm very excited about it. I, I was itching to get started for the training. Just uh, <laughs> I wanted to start at 20 weeks. And the trainer was like, "No, no, no, we're going at 16. You don't need to do 20. You'll get hurt again." Yeah. <laughs> so, he said, "You always get hurt whenever we put you through 20 weeks of training." So we're going to do 16. Just do 16. Just do 16, man. Get yep. get get you healthy to the race. Well. <laughs> Well, it's been an honor to know you and have you as part of the Project Purple family here, Rob. So uh, thank you for providing our listeners at home with an amazing story of purpose and inspiration and for allowing us to tell your story once again. And uh, we cannot wait for New York. So until then, thanks for being on the Project Purple podcast, Rob. And uh, we can't wait for New York. Me either. Thank you very much, Dino. I appreciate it.